Hi everyone, it's Corinne Hindreger. You are listening to the Embodied Thriving Self podcast, a series where I invite you on an inner and outer journey to align with your soul, unlearn who you thought you needed to be, and become your most authentic and thriving self. So you too can create the magical ripple effect in your life and business you came here to do. Today, I have the pleasure to speak to a very dear friend and colleague of mine, Laura Lee. She is helping women to trade the not enoughness for lightness and for self-trust and possibilities. Welcome. I'm so glad to speak with you today and share a little bit about your point of view in how we can nurture more self-trust within our being. Thank you, Corinne, for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you and have this conversation. Mm. So let's dive right in. Um, I would love to know, what do you see most often as the issue when people are stuck in a sense of the feeling of not enoughness? Like, what are you noticing? Yes. So as you say that the feeling of not enoughness is... We wouldn't register in our head as I'm feeling not enough usually, mm. right? So it's not a thought that comes out that way, but more of what I see people experiencing is a feeling of just being stuck in self-doubt. Oh. And usually when we are stuck in self-doubt, there is shame and we may not recognize that as shame, right? But shame as Carl Jung calls it, is that master emotion, like soul crushing. And it's, it's big. It takes up a lot of space. Mm-hmm. It is that feeling, that painful feeling of I'm not enough as I am. I'm flawed. Somehow I'm flawed and there's something wrong with me. And so it stops us from innovating and creating because then we're stuck in doubt. Mm -hmm. Can I do this? (laughs) Can I do this? Can I actually do this thing that I know I'm here to do or I'm being called to do? And so it's not necessarily that feeling of not enoughness, which also on the other side of that coin is too muchness. Like, right. It's the same thing, but different sides of the coin, but innately it's saying, I'm not okay as I am. There's something I'm going to need to do, be change in order for me to move forward, do the thing, create the thing. And so that's what I see most people that are feeling not enough, kind of stuck, stuck in that place. Mm. Yeah. Sort of this vicious circle. It's like it feeds on one and another and then we stuck and we withdraw from life. Mm -hmm. And of course we can't have, you know, we can't do sort of, create the magic or do the good we came here to do from that place of lack and self-doubt and Mm -hmm. shame. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And it's, um, you know, just to say too, is we all experience it in some way, shape or form at some point in our lives. So I like to say that because, you know, to hear the word shame, you know, sometimes that can be activating for people. Like I don't have shame or Mm -hmm. what is that, you know, like, and it's, it's not, um, it's not a judgment. 
It's more of just that this is a human experience. And if we can start to notice it and name it and kind of understand it from a bigger, larger perspective, then we can start to kind of stop shaming ourselves for having shame, if you will, (laughs) (laughs) or being in not enoughness. (laughs) So Mm. yeah, it becomes, you know, understanding the bigger picture of how it happens, how it Mm. comes in can help restore our innocence a bit around, hmm, how did this come in? Why is this here? And it's not me. It's just something that I took on. um, And there are reasons for that. Yeah. It's like um, normalizing it and also becoming aware that it often is a cultural thing. Like we, especially women, we often shamed we are too big, too small, too loud, too too quiet. Like, Mm -hmm. Like no matter what we are, it's like, we taught that it's not okay and mm-hmm. and of course we start to hide and 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 shame is like um often brewing when we start to hide these parts of us whatever they parts are yes absolutely um i will say dimming having a really harsh inner critic these are usually mm-hmm. signs that there might be shame in there um people pleasing feeling that innate sense of aloneness, Mm. um, like somehow you're the only one that's experiencing it. It's very, very normal to feel that. Um, It shows up in overthinking. I notice that a lot. Overthinking, procrastination, right? Because at the bottom of this too is that deep fear of judgment. Mm -hmm. If I'm not enough, I'm not going to want to be visible and put myself out there and share my voice and my gifts because ultimately I'll be judged. And yeah. I know I'll, I'm thinking I will be judged because I'm, I'm believing I'm not enough. Mm. There's something wrong. Right. And like you said, in many ways, we learn that we learn that as children from our caregivers, from our society, from our culture, from our religion. Um, these are all really big places we have to kind of go look at to find mm. out where it came from so we can get out of shame and go oh interesting and get more curious about it like bring in that curiosity i think to kind of disarm the viciousness of judgment judging ourselves um so those are ways in 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 just in my own story and also my clients it's painful to know that your soul is here to bring something into the world and yet not be able to do it. And it is, it's this painful feeling. And so there has to be um, a way to look at that bigger picture to kind of restore, oh, and I am not my shame. This is not something that I have to have and carry forever. There are ways to move it out of my body and notice that I that whatever I'm believing isn't necessarily true. Mm-hmm. And we need other people to help us do that, right? Yeah. But it's it's so beautiful, like this sort of there is a softness within that, like it's not me. Mm-hmm. It might has accompanied me, but it's not me. And mm-hmm. I don't have to continue this way. That's right. Yeah. That's right. It's like um I personally often really work with the inner judge 
Mm-hmm. And it's very, very, uh, like, I feel like it's um, often the inner touch is in relation with shame. And most of the time, when we start to really become clear on how are we touching, like, what is my touching sort of strategy that I have developed, then we see how often we are touching. And then it can be a little bit of a shock to the system when we sort of start to realize how present it is while before they, it was there, but we just didn't notice. Do you feel like there is um, a similarity with shame that once we start to notice it, notice it, that it is more present? Yeah, I would love to explore that a little bit uh, as a, not a, a warning, maybe not, not a warning as such, but just to normalize it that even if that is present for someone, um, mm-hmm. that's okay and that's normal. Yeah. Yeah. Like speaking to the judge and, you know, judging ourselves, feeling judged and how shame is there and noticing it more. Yeah. Noticing when it comes, if you're noticing when you're judging, then you're saying noticing that there's also shame there. And just even the knowing of that can be hard. Um, What I see too is, you know, we learn to judge. And so that too is not innately something you came into the world (laughs) with, you know, none of this is really. So I often also like to, to, Connect the dots of where did you learn to judge? Who who was the voice of judgment that you first heard? Mm-hmm. How did they judge others? How did they judge you? How did they judge themselves? You know, sometimes we're not aware of how that person's judging themselves, but we are very aware of hearing them judge others. And especially if it was a parent, it can be very hard and become internalized. Right. We, in some ways, we're, we want them to love us so much and connect to them so much, right? That we, we start to judge ourselves to make sure we are the thing that we know they want us to be. So they won't judge us. Mm. It's like, we're taking notes. Like, how are they talking about other person? Okay. I won't be that. Let me put that in my little notebook over here as a little child. Right. Um, So that's, I think a lot of times where that inner judge is born is mm. wanting that love and connection so badly with our parent or a caregiver that we we learn to judge as they judged. Keep okay. ourselves in line. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's also, it's like really, uh, it marries with this people pleaser within us. Like we had to develop to keep safe because when we are liked in our, you know, upbringing in our family of origin or by our caregivers, then of course we stay alive. Mm-hmm. But if not, then yeah, we have a problem. So of course we develop this sort of uh, pleaser within our experience and mirror back what we are seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. You know, I also find, just to pull this out, because it's been coming coming up for me lately, just noticing to speak to it is that often too, if you identify as an empath or a highly sensitive person who who naturally felt a lot as a child, but that wasn't really something that you were aware of about yourself. You just were struggling or mm-hmm. perhaps you were taking on others' energies or you were the one in the family who 
was really feeling everyone's energy and, and emotions and you were taking them on. I feel there's a connection between being an empath and a highly sensitive person and sometimes having more shame because there's a way in which also your needs and emotions weren't necessarily, you didn't have help around that. And so there's a way in which you felt different or there's something wrong with me. Um, and I'm speaking to that because I, I don't always know that that's something that we, and, and there may be people talking about that. I just, I just feel like I notice a lot of empaths struggle with shame. And I think that also if your parents weren't equipped to see you as you were and help you in the ways that you needed and your needs and wants and desires confirmed for you, um, that, that that can be a way of, again, I have these needs, what's wrong with me? I need more space. I need more time to process, you know, I need this or that. But also I saw my caregiver totally ignore their own needs and take care of everybody else. So that's what I learned to do. So there's also that, how did you learn to nurture yourself? And if that was missing, then you've probably been masking up and pretending and putting and pushing through and then feeling completely depleted. Oh, there must be something wrong with me going into shame. Yeah. Right? It, it's so true. And without blaming our parents, but right. um, most of us, like they had their own sort of triggers and their own, you know, survival coping strategies going on. And so mm -hmm. they were masks teaching children how to wear masks. Yes. And, and so the authenticity of us and our needs and our, you know, our gifts has been lost over the generations of the hardship of what has taken place in a sense. So and, beautifully said. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The masks, uh, the people wearing masks, teaching the children to wear the mask. It, it almost brings such an image to my mind of that. Mm. Um, in that there was no really um harsh intention behind it like you said there's no blame there it's more like yes i can you can feel the pain and hurt of that without going into the blame but seeing that they just there was there were no tools there was no capacity there mm. yeah and in in their own way they sort of they did the best they could it was mm -hmm. not enough but they did the best they could in That's in right. a sense and um I often feel like it's really helping me when I, I, I personally go down this, like, I could have done that better. Why didn't I? And should. And so, yeah, I did the best I could. It's just, it, it helps me not to be stuck in in the shame I might experience in that moment, but rather mm -hmm. than just sort of soften into, okay, I did the best I could. Yeah. 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 As a practice. I love that. Yeah. Like I did the best I could. And, you know, the more I know, the more I become aware, mm. I get to, um, I get to speak to that. I get to say, ah, you know, I wish, 
next time I'm going to, I want to do that a little bit better. I want to do that a little bit. Um, even with our kids speaking to them that way, oh, you know what? I didn't necessarily, you know, show up for you in the way that I really want to. And next time I really want to. So it's like, we get to speak to things the more, um, aware we are of something. Mm -hmm. And that in itself is such a repair for, I think both. Yeah. Yeah. And also for, um, you know, our children, our future, uh, the future generations to come as they start to witness that we are taking slowly our masks off. We are not perfect, but we're doing the best we can. And mm -hmm. so I feel like it's like intergenerational healing happening mm -hmm. when we are starting to face, you know, the judges and the the shame and these things, but in a very soft way, not in a way that mm -hmm. we need to fix it or repair it, but more in a way of, okay, how can I merely befriend that in a sense and make it mm -hmm. more soft? It's the yeah. word soft keeps coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and I, I think that um, I will say, though, that if someone's out there listening and thinking, well, I'm pissed, you know, like, <laughs> that's okay, too. Like, there is a period, I think, of um, of anger that I, I, I do think that is so normal to go through mm -hmm. when you do become aware of where your wounds happened. Yeah. And and why? And that that's totally okay to feel that anger and that sadness around the things that you didn't necessarily get taught or know. And and you can and will make it eventually as if you keep going all the way through that spiral, right? You will get to a place of oh, and I can see now that mm -hmm. there just wasn't the capability there. And that's okay. And the fact that I can see it now and I'm starting on this journey now is 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 the important thing. Yeah. It's not not taking away um, you know, the wounds that I have happened to us, not like they there is no excuse for them in mm -hmm. a sense. Like we are not excusing them. But it's like um more about helping us move beyond them. Yeah. Yeah, without like keep holding on to, you know, this mm -hmm. has happened to me. Right. Yeah. Because there um, is only more shame. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that will just continue to pull you down into that, yeah, that heaviness. And I think that shame is such a heavy emotion. It's such mm -hmm. a heaviness um, that it takes its toll. And I was thinking of that the other day that there's this physical toll that it takes on the body. Mm. And that's why I think so many of us come to our awakenings in life through the body, usually yeah. through some kind of a breakdown or an illness or sometimes weight gain or weight loss, whatever it is. But it's that our body is, is continually speaking to us, trying to get our attention to be seen and heard finally, you know, as is not in a perfect way, just as it is. It's, and, and we're just continuing to push through and push through and push through because there's shame involved, right? Because if there's shame involved and we're not enough, then we're going to continue to push through and push through, get it done to prove our value, you know, mm -hmm. or our worth. And so our body starts to go, uh, uh, 
<laughs> no more. Um, we've talked about this, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. It's sort so. of often sort of the last resort. Like our body's like saying like, okay, I, you can't, you just can't. And I think uh, often I feel the hard thing with that is then we go and we shame and blame our body. So we're still sort of stuck in that loop. We're like we, we're feeling betrayal by our body, even though our bodies just want to help us and show us like, you know, just pause, just slow mm-hmm. down, just be for a moment and see what is actually taking place. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I I know this. So, you know, in my, I didn't have, my body didn't have a breakdown as far as a, um, an illness, but what my body was trying to tell me was, you know, if I were to step outside and look at this pattern, it was, um, you know, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight. It was like this toggle between too much and not enough and too much and not enough. So if I could have, or had someone to support me to kind of step back and look in on that and go, what's happening here? And when is this happening and what's activating this, right? But really it was this feeling for me personally of when I would go into the shame, the not enoughness, the pain of that. And really there were so many unexpressed emotions. So then I would take in more food, right? To try to keep it, keep keeping it down, Numbing it down. Numbing it down, right? And then as I would do that, my body would grow larger, right? Um, And this was my experience. This is not everyone's experience. And then my shame would say, that's not okay. So then I would come and try to control and fix and diet and lose it. So there's this constant, um, both sides never listening. Mm never stopping to listen or ask. It was just a, how can I be loved and accepted in the eyes of others? And I was trying to meet my own needs at the same time. And it was just, it was just a painful cycle. Mm. And so if I could have, and finally, of course, eventually did see what was happening, then I could stop the cycle, which for me began with processing my emotions. So, yeah, I think it's um, breaking free from that cycle. Really for that first step, I think to speak to that piece is really to be willing to surrender and step into the mystery. I wholeheartedly agree. And what would be sort of a a tip you would give to a listener if they say like, yeah, but how do I do that? Like, how am I stepping into that mystery? Or mm-hmm. how can I sit with my emotions to get familiarized with them? Because often they're so, so deeply buried within mm-hmm. our experience. And we often are not even aware that they are there. Right. Absolutely. Um I would say for me personally, and I think that this does show up for a lot of us is chances are you may have spent a lot of time fixing yourself. Like if that's a pattern of always trying to fix, fix everything, like fix your body, fix your environment, this constant needing of control, um, there's a, there's a part of you that's, there's some, I'm not enoughness in there. 
So it's, it's moving from fixing to really consciously seeing that pattern and going, okay, continuing to fix is what's keeping me from what I actually need, which is an embrace. And without knowing all of the details and things you, you can do, if you can just remember that word embrace, how can I embrace myself in this moment and just start there? And it has to be a conscious decision, right? Like we have to know that we're in fixing mode and we're not feeling enough and pausing and going, all right, I'm doing that fixing thing again. How can I embrace myself in this moment? Like a deep inner embracing of who I am. And that might look different for most, for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, It could even be a physical motion that you make to embrace yourself to at least start the process and making a decision to stop ignoring your body's signals. Just that one decision of, okay, I'm going to practice noticing when my body starts to speak up and how it speaks up, you know, and just to be uh, aware of that in itself and meeting it with an embrace instead of a fixing, Mm -hmm. right? I think can also start to build that self-trust because your body feels that it goes, Oh, she's listening to me. She's not trying to fix me. She's finally listening. She's even embracing me. Maybe I can trust her Mm -hmm. to do that again and again. And I'm going to keep speaking until she does, you know, so our body won't stop speaking until we actually turn around and go, okay, I'm listening. I love that. And like, it's so easy and it's not always simple. And it's like sort of um, feel like it's important to acknowledge that too. And there will be times where even though we make this decision that we can do it and other times we can't. And there is this sort of uh, time dispense in a way where it's important to also acknowledge that there is no shame in us not always being able to do that immediately. Mm-hmm. It's like, Absolutely. okay, it's a practice. And when we start a new sport, we are not, you know, we can't go to the Olympics. Like it's like, it takes time. We need to build that muscle. And yes, we made this decision mm-hmm. and yes, we are starting to listen. Yeah. But it's also okay if it's not always 100% there yet Mm -hmm. it's a journey and not you know not a a racing as such so true and it's so true that we're human and as humans we forget Mm -hmm. it's one of our traits (laughs) (laughs) i wish it wasn't but it is it's something that happens with all of us humans is we forget and but if we forget that means that we can also remember Mm -hmm. And like you said, there's no shame in having to be reminded yourself or by a friend or, but that you get to remember. And every time you forget, you get to remember there's no shame there. Um, And maybe over time, as you practice, there's less forgetting. Mm -hmm. It becomes more natural to you. I mean, eventually even that inner critic can go away. And I never thought that would be possible. My inner critic was so loud and so strong. I really honestly don't hear from her much at all anymore. Mm -hmm. And if I do, 
it's not as harsh, you know, doesn't mean I never have it. But there were times when I thought I'll never get rid of this. I'll never alchemize her. She's, Mm -hmm. you know, she's, so I just share that to say, like you said, you don't have, you're not ready for the Olympics the first time out of the gate. You don't all, you won't always embrace yourself when your body's speaking. Um, But I'll just say one more thing is that also activating your inner voice and your inner truth teller is really probably one of the most important things too, to start to disarm shame. Mm. Right. Because it can't live in, in, in the light. It it has to live in silence. Yeah. So once we activate that inner truth teller and say it out loud um, to ourselves first, but then maybe hopefully to somebody who can hold space for you to work through those emotions. And some of the things that we really do need that other person to witness us and guide us through that process is really that kind of inner liberation that starts to happen from the not enough. I keep getting this visual. It's like, often it's like a toddler. Like if they are getting into a cupboard, they they know they're not supposed to. Like when you call them out, they all of a sudden, they get very quiet and, you know, (laughs) they back off. And it's like, yeah, once we name them, yeah. It's like, yeah, they don't want to be caught. They don't want they don't want us to voice that. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, once we name that, we're taking the power away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it feels really good sometimes to just be honest mm-hmm. and just say, I'm afraid. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm really afraid. And speak it out and, mm-hmm. and have someone sit there and acknowledge, you know, and sometimes I think it's important to know, like if we're sharing something with someone that's maybe not a, a seasoned mentor or a coach or a, a healer, but it's some, a friend. I think it's important too, to also speak to them and say, I just need you to hear me right now. I don't need you to fix it or give me advice or any of that, but I just, will you just listen? Will you just hear me out? Yeah. And give them that little bit of direction because then you get to have that, that space to not, to just be heard. To be heard and held and yeah, yeah, without putting the pressure onto them that they need to fix you. And because often that just really uh, backfires. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, but once we sort of set the container ourselves, Mm -hmm. how we want to be experienced, how we want to be held, it just really makes it easier for everyone Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I really, really enjoy this conversation. I feel like it's so important to normalize these uh, experiences we are having to really help us to be us mm-hmm. without holding on to perfection in a sense, like this uh, vision we have created or someone else has created, we should or supposed to be. Mm. Yes. And, yeah. and get out of that fixer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a freeing uh, experience to move. I often say from that fixer to creator, like, mm-hmm. you know, um, when you start to like, kind of let go of the fixer can be kind of a safety net, right? Cause she's, yeah. if you're fixing, you don't have to, sometimes that's easier. It's painful. Cause you're still like, ugh, I had to fix myself. There's something wrong with me. But it also can be a place to hide. 
Yeah, not just hiding, but it's like we are busying ourselves so much that we don't have to face what actually is taking place. So yeah. we might say stuck in a relationship or with a offer or with, uh, you know, circumstances in our lives. We really know we have outgrown, but mm -hmm. as long as we are fixing something else, we don't need to look at that. So we don't need to go through the discomfort of the motion to make a change there. That's right. Yeah. Yes. I often say in my own weight loss, weight gain journey I was sharing about is, you know, it was one big, massive distraction <laughs> for me <laughs> from what was actually going on inside that needed me, that needed, that needed to be witnessed and processed. And that other stuff was just this massive distraction from the core, that core wound and fear that was happening inside. And, um, you know, so moving out of that fixing to creator requires courage mm. because the creator is willing to get messy uh. and not know exactly what's about to happen, you know, <laughs> or how to do life differently. But that's what we're here to do as humans. We're here to innovate and create and bring our gifts into form into the world. And th the pain of not doing that too. I think at one point, at least for me, it became greater mm -hmm. than staying stuck. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. feel that I had a um, very similar experience. Sometimes we just be at that crossroads and we have to decide. And there is no, like, it seems there is no other way but to face whatever we don't want to face. It's like, yes. okay, we need to go through it. There is no other way. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Uh, yes. And there's one thing I heard the other day that I'll just share is, um, sorry, there's a fly here, um, is uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert was in, in, in an interview from several years ago, but she was sharing about, I think he asked her about a creative life. And she said, you know, if you can just live in 1% more curiosity than fear. Mm just one percent it can shift the tide like you know you can it can move you forward and i just love that so much because i love curiosity it's such a neutral powerful and neutral um energy mm. there's no judgment in curiosity no it's like you get to just play in it especially when when we watch children you know how curious they are and then we lose it over time and it's just like coming back to this maybe a little bit childlike mm -hmm. way of seeing the world yeah as it opens up so many possibilities when we're in that place that we might have not seen before yeah in a fixed state yes yeah i love that yeah yes and then we can practice even going even further with it with doing kind of the what if mm -hmm. open journaling with, okay, well, if I were to get curious about doing the thing my soul's calling me to do or stepping into that, like, what if, what if yeah. I were to write a book or what if I were to travel to that place I'm being called to go? Or what if I were to open my own business or yeah. what if I were to let go of that other thing? And just letting yourself play in that is, a way out of shame mm. and doubt and not enoughness. Not enoughness. 
I love that. It also, in a, in a way, it also helps us to let things go. Because the what if might show us that it is not for us. So we don't have to hold on to that what if for, and, and take up space in our life when we never are really mm-hmm. sort of uh, fully committed to it anyway or when it's just not aligned. Right. Yeah, we get to feel the energy of it, like yeah. playing in it. We get to go, oh, yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah, that one, that one doesn't feel like I want to pursue it. It's, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like brainstorming or playing in the what ifs and then going, oh, yeah, I don't think that one resonates, but that one kind of resonates. And yeah. I like this one's energy. And this is this this one's energy really lights me up and moves me like mm-hmm. practicing like that. You know, that what we were speaking about earlier about about noticing your body, how it speaks to you. And deciding not to ignore its um, mm. sensations. It's kind of like playing in that in here too, like noticing what really moves you, brings you open, mm-hmm. opens you and makes you feel alive. And really practicing noticing that, answering yep. those with attention and maybe some action behind it. Uh, just always being curious about what does it want to say? Like there is no right or wrong. It's just like... Let's explore this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I love that. No right and wrong in the yeah. space of curiosity. No, it's just it is. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like this play field we can go on. Yeah. Um, I love that. Which there's a lot of right and wrong in the shame world, <laughs> in the not yeah. enoughness world. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a lot of that going on, a lot of that binary black and white thinking. Uh, the yeah. colors and the shades are totally missing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such such a powerful thing in and of itself to um, to moving beyond that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That there is maybe a possibility for other shades. Yeah. If uh, some of the listeners want to uh, learn more about you and your work, where, where would they find you? Where can they find you? Yes. So you can find me on my website, laureleelife.com, mm-hmm. uh, the Unleashing Your Light podcast. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Life with Laura Lee. And there is a um, free resource that I have there. You can you can access it through the podcast or through Linktree on Instagram um, to create your own spiritual practice to connect with your soul. So it's a simple practice um, that you can you can find there if that be supportive to you. But mainly the podcast, I would say, find me there. Thank you so much for sharing. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they um, get lots of juicy content from the podcast and the resources you have available. Do you yeah. feel like there is anything else you'd like the world to know? Anything else that you mm-hmm. feel is important or pressing for the time we are in currently? Hmm. Yeah, I would say two things. Um I wrote this the other day on Instagram, but don't hold your pain inside of you. Don't hold it inside of you. Um, you don't have to process it alone, but the holding of it is you don't have to hold it in. So I just want to share that and take that with you um, and know that when you're ready to not hold it in and to process it. That person will show up for you, the right person, um, that when you 
when you're honest with yourself and say, I'm ready to not hold my pain inside of myself, I'm ready for that person to help me, that mentor, that guide, then you can trust that person will show up. Um, and just practice being your own loving witness. Being your own loving witness as well. Just putting a hand on your heart and on your belly and, you know, taking a few deep breaths and just saying, I love you and I trust you. You know, as many times as you need to, I think is a beautiful way to begin. Just being that loving witness. I love you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust that when you show yourself to the world, you'll be met with love. And just take that with you. So beautiful and so powerful. Just uh, the knowing that we are not alone. That Mm -hmm. whenever we're ready, there is someone. Mm -hmm. And we always have us. Yes. Mm. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for spending time with me and with us today. It has been such a pleasure and I really loved the conversation we had. I feel like our listeners will get a lot of um, sort of snippets and ideas out of it. And I'm really looking forward to continue this conversation with you maybe another time. Me too. Me too. It's such an honor, Corinne. I just love being in your space and... Just always love being with with you and what you bring to the world. So I really just appreciate you so much. Thank you. As always, thank you so much for spending time with me and listening to the Embodied Thriving Self podcast. I appreciate you and the journey you have been on that led you to this community. I hope to connect with you again in the next episode. In the meantime, I appreciate your shares and reviews. Please always remember, you are not broken. You are worth it and deserving to align with your soul and thrive as you create magic in all you touch.